What is up, everyone? My name is Eddie McBull. I am a real estate agent by profession in New York City and on Long Island. Uh, I'm starting a new podcast, uh, a prison podcast. For those who don't know me, I have a brother named Tarek who has been incarcerated in the New Jersey State Prison since 2002. Um, well, he was incarcerated in the, he was sent to New Jersey State Prison in 2005, and before that, he was in Hudson County Jail in 2002. Uh, Tarek is my only brother. Um, he has been sentenced to 150 years in prison. Um, no, it's not Osama bin Laden. It's not um, any anything like that, unfortunately. But the time of his arrest was very sensitive for Muslims all around the world. It was literally the next year post 9-11. And everyone's um, sensitivities were heightened. Uh, the biases and discrimination against Muslims all around the world, especially in the West, uh, were extremely exasperated. Um, and so life has it. Um, my family got involved in this unfortunate situation with Tarek um, being involved in a situation. Um, and then um, he, he got a long sentence. So kind of making a, um, that's just a quick introduction. So the podcast format is going to be a little bit weird um, because naturally Tarek is in prison and my goal is to actually include him this time on a po podcast where I, as in my previous podcast, it was more so just myself. Um, so it's going to be a little bit weird. So he's basically, the way I have it set up is um, he's going to call me. I am going to record him. I'm going to first introduce him and then we're going to go through a conversation and it might sign, uh, sound a little, you know, unprofessional guys, but please bear with me because I'm kind of doing this, uh, by myself, uh, for now. And God willing, we are going to take this further. Um, so back a few years, uh, we, by both Tarek and myself, I started a website uh, for him called CaptiveVoices.com. Uh, basically a blog website for him initially to kind of express himself um, through writing and blogs. And then it kind of turned out uh, a little bit more of a blessing in disguise where other inmates were writing and being published as well. Tarek um, has been published um, in quite different uh, mediums, he has been published. He's a writer on prison uh, journalism podcast. He has been published on the Marshall Project, um, Rolling Stone, and we'll dive into it once he calls, which I'm actually waiting for now. I just wanted to do a brief introduction. So as soon as he calls, then I'm going to try to record it and bring something very different to the people listening out there. The goal is to humanize um, incarceration and not something where these guys and, and girls go to prison and everyone kind of just forgets about them and that they deserve to be there. Um, 
I, it's not my goal right now to even talk about people's, um, you know, incarceration as far as what they deserve or not. It's more about humanizing them. They are still people. They're still human beings and they still should have rights. Um, their biggest punishment in life is that they're put away from their families, from society, from their loved ones, from, in many cases, their children. And it has massive impact on family dynamics. Imagine growing up without a father figure. Imagine that life. Imagine having no control over your life and every single movement is being calculated and kind of just told to you as to what you can or cannot do. So there's so much to unpack. I'm very excited about it and we're going to get rolling as he's calling right now. All right, guys. So without further ado, um, Tarek is now on the phone. So I'm just going to bring him into the conversation. Um, As I said, Tarek is my one and only brother and we are starting this new podcast kind of to bring voice to the ones who don't have a voice. Uh, all right, my brother. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. How are you doing today, man? Wa alaikum wa I am good, man. Thank you for having me. Thank you for making this forum possible. And like you said, it is basically for everybody who does not have a voice. And that was the genesis of Captive Voices. So let's, let's go on this ride and let's have those. All right. So Tarek, by the way, guys, is a contributing writer at the Prison Journalism Project. He maintains, uh, we basically have Captive Voices. That is our blog. Um, and he has given voice to other people as well and courage and confidence. Um, he has also created the Captive Voices writing program, which is currently training a cohort of 10 writers uh, and mentors in New Jersey State Prison. Um, he has been published on the Marshall Project, as I mentioned before, um, and he is serving a double. He's been convicted of a double homicide in 2005 and is serving 150 years in New Jersey State Prison. So I know it's not the introduction you wanted, bro, but uh, that's the whole kind of paradigm that we're working with. So let's start. Let's start. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead, man. You say what you want to say. I'm a correspondent now for Prison Journalism Project. I started with them uh, a few years ago. Um, You know, publishing has been on NJ.com and, you know, Star Ledger and News Station and Prison Journalism Project and soon, very soon, with Azizira.com and hopefully with, uh, you know, some other places as well. So, you know, we've been uh, very, very fortunate uh, to find some good friends and well-wishers. So, uh, you know, shout out to all of them. Absolutely, man. And mashallah, you've been doing a really, really good job and keep keep doing that. So let me start by asking you, how has this whole experience changed you, um, you know, as an environment for you and as an individual? Um, I have a few other questions, but I guess we can start from here. You know, incarceration is, 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 is a different type of beast for some people, unfortunately, which I have learned over the years that uh, it's part of their growing up, you know, because of the cultural background. Um, me and you were raised a little differently, come from a different background, immigrant family who works, uh, you know, coming here for, you know, a better
about a future, uh, better educational possibilities and stuff. Um, we have a rich history in Pakistan where we come from originally families in the military and in aristocracy and, and bureaucracy. Uh, we were not introduced to uh, law enforcement or prison system as other people have, unfortunately. So I had a different view of it. Um, till coming into the belly of the beast, then you understand the differences people have um, in viewing this thing from a different perspective. So yeah, it changed me a lot. Outside, I had um, a different perspective about law enforcement and about the justice system in itself. Uh, coming inside, I realized that all of it is a force. Um, the so-called best justice system in the world is by and large because of the media, because they have the biggest mic, they have the biggest, uh, I would say, uh, <laughs> public relations firm, which is called the American media, because they just regurgitate everything what they say. Um, unfortunately, what I learned at the end, it is a police state. Um, because I say this with some trepidation, because it is the largest democracy, probably you know, with the, uh, in, the, in the Western world. Um, but if, if a country is run by one skewed view of you know incarceration and justice system and keeps calling it the best system, uh, you're just tooting your own horn. Uh, if you see the belly of the beast, you see under the underbelly of it. You see that it really stinks. Um, so yeah, I changed a lot. I understand racism. I understand uh, systematic, uh, you know, just systematic, you know, pressures on people in different type of communities in America. And yeah, I am a changed man in that sense. You can call it woke. You can call it uh, educated. But I learned through experience and hardship. Yeah, I, I totally hear you. You know, uh, woke is a word that's really out in the society nowadays. And I, I believe anything done extremist on any which way or form of life, I think that's just bad. So, you know, the connotation is just that, hey, you're the leftist or you're, you know, on, on the right side. But I think there is truth in the middle for everything. Um, in my previous podcast that I started so this format is slightly different where I'm having you into it and getting your insight. So I think this is going to resonate with a lot of people, hopefully. Um, and one thing I'll add, you know, you, you mentioned how when we were, our upbringing was different. So you remember back in the day when we were young and we had no experience with the uh, justice system, criminal justice system. You know, we were just like everybody else where you would watch something on TV and somebody got caught um, even just as a arrest. And we were like, yeah, this person did it. It's a completely different thing um, once we unfortunately have gotten experience with this. Just because you're arrested doesn't mean you did anything. You have a whole process that the public perception doesn't see. So I have another question kind of segueing in, into it. What has been the emotional psychological and physical impact of going through the entire trial for you? Honestly, that's a very deep question. The uh, first thing, I guess, just like I said, we were talking about our background and stuff. Nobody has ever been in, in, in trouble in that sense or arrested or being on the other side of the fence, so to speak. Mm -hmm. uh, we have family members and friends who are in law enforcement and, you know, basically, you know, never saw this particular side of it. Uh, so first thing was shame, you know, it's just been coming from the background of our family. Uh, we come from a particular 
uh, you know, family background. We, we say this in a nutshell, you know, it, it's a rich history of uh, military service, uh, you know, in the subcontinent and stuff in Pakistan. And uh, so it, it's it's a it was shamed for for me uh, bringing it to my father, my parents, you know, uh, our ancestors. Um, that was the first thing that bothered me a lot because you come here with a lot of ambition. Um, as you know, we, um, you know, of course, you were part of and integral part of it when we started our business at 25. You know, when I was and you were 22, um, which was you know quite a home run for people even in America. You know, we created a successful business out of nothing. Um, and so right. we were on a different trajectory. So the first thing was uh, shame. Second part of it is just the shock of it. You know, it's uh, you live your life in a very law-abiding uh, manner. You pay your taxes. You go to school, go to college. Uh, you know, you work your butt off. Uh, with all, you know, measures, you're, you're a good, you know, productive human being of the society. And then all of a sudden, the you know, law enforcement uh, comes and gets you. And because somebody just uh, pointed you out to them, all of a sudden, everything changes. Now, all of a sudden, you're this um, brown Pakistani kid. Uh, not American Pakistani. It's like it's Pakistani kid, like from there. And right. someone uh, alien and someone who needs to be scared, to be scared off and not, not trusted. Um, any word that comes out of your mouth is a lie and it's, it's, it's a conniving, you know, some type of scheme. So all of it, it has, it takes its toll, you know, because even when you're trying to tell the truth, you're saying something, you're not being heard because they're not trying to hear you. Um, so yeah, that had a very, very huge effect on me. Um, shock, I say this all the time. Uh, second thing is the physical part of it is devastating, you know. Uh, talking about mental language and all that. Uh, physically, I changed. You know, I lost a lot of weight. Remember, I was one in the county. You came to visit me uh, every week, every chance you had. Um, yeah, I couldn't ask for a better brother. You know, there was, I would never forget that. Uh, but you saw me changing, uh, working out, being muscular, and all of a sudden you start losing weight because you just don't know. You can't. There's no nutrition uh, in there, which is, you know, uh, sustainable to anyone's health. Uh, then mentally, you're so isolated, and uh, especially in those times, this was a year, uh, year and a half removed from 9/11. So, uh, being a Pakistani American was not a very cool thing. You know, you're so constantly looked at as the other, the alien, the the terrorist, the you know, someone like you know who's just completely foreign to them. Um, so even people would just not. We grew up in New York, you know, uh, half of our lives in Queens and Long Island. But no, all of them just felt like, you know, you just took a parachute drive right into Hudson County facility. You just spent some crazy guy. Um, so, yeah, it broke me down a lot. But I think that, that the thing that kept me was my faith and love for the family members. But uh, I think I was changed the day I was arrested. Uh, I've never been the same. And I think I, I would ever be. Ain't that the truth, man, for the both of us. Um, all right, guys. So as as everybody knows, um, as I mentioned before, Tarek is calling right now. So the call is going to hang up. I'm going to pause, and then he's going to call again, and we're going to kind of recontinue from there. Um, so, you know, when you do call, when, then we're going to restart. But in my prologue, I did mention the year after 9-11. And it's interesting how you said that you were introduced only as Pakistani. 
the 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 judge made sure you were not that you were not introduced as a Pakistani American to the jury, and that was a very pertinent yeah. point. Yeah, yeah. Let me call back. Okay. All right, you're back. So, okay, so we that that was a that was a nice little segue. Okay, so let's jump on to yeah, the it, next. It is a, quite a segue, you know. This is what. The, constant part of a life is a 15-minute interval, you know, and uh, I think it's uh, in itself is a very deep window for an relationship, I guess. You know, bro, it's, uh, it's interesting. So, you know, there's always two sides. I always tell people that people who go to prison who are incarcerated, their families also do time. Um, it is not just that individual. So this actually reminded me. So I, uh, you know me, I used to be a a very big Tupac Shakur fan. So, you know, when you went in at that time, uh, that was probably the darkest time of my life, those eight, nine years. So there was this one song that it had kind of where Tupac was, he was portraying that he's in prison and the guard kept on telling him, your time's up, your time's up. It, it never leaves me. Yeah. Um, anyway, so coming back to the podcast. So other last question probably for you is, how do you maintain your identity, man? And what was the worst day for you in prison? Wow. Uh, man, this is a deep, thoughtful question, huh? Um, you know, I'll take the latter, I mean, you know, the, the, the latter before the former, I guess. Um, People always ask me this question, is the first day the last, uh, the first day the worst day of your prison life? It's not. I always ask, answer by saying it's the next day. Um, uh, the reason I say that because, yes, the first day is very, very daunting, very, very jarring, very, uh, you know, full of shock and all, and all that stuff. But when in my 21 years now of going, it's the next day. Uh, I mean, it's, uh, the next day is the worst. It's that one more day that you're away from your loved ones, from the life that, that, that idea that you used to be. Because a lot of people, you know, are still stuck in that <clears throat> environment that they are who they used to be. You're just an idea. Uh, all your reference points stop at the moment you're arrested. Your life is basically put on pause. Uh, you're frozen in time. Uh, people are outside and they're growing. It's, it's like a river, right? You, you like that little, you know, from grass that you got stuck on the river and the river froze over from the, you know, outside in. But in the middle, you still have that river run. It's still going. Uh, but you're stuck in time. So all your reference points are basically from that year which you were locked up. Um, and so it's harder every time you see a day pass and you see your family, your loved ones, uh, so far away. Uh, so I, I, I always say it's the, it's the, it's the next day is the, the worst day in prison. Um, about identity, I would say that you can't fake things in life, uh, in my experience. Uh, a lot of people, uh, in my experience, have uh, lived a life which is not their own. Uh, some loved ones, some people we know, acquaintances, and these people are around. They live in a shell of a mid-belief life. I truly believe a person is who he she is. You can't fake uh, yourself, especially in an environment like this where there's a vacuum where, uh, you know, the worst of the worst are here. 
uh, a reason I say this is a lot of people have this persona of being tough outside. Uh, so a lot of people I hear saying, ain't nobody tougher than me. Uh, you know, I'm built this way and that. In here, everything opens up. You know, there's really tough guys here. There's really tough people. So you can't fake being a tough guy. It shows, uh, especially in places like this. It, it, it just it makes you stick out uh, as a fake. Um, so I, my idea of identity is I have always tried and strived to be who I am. I have never changed uh, myself. If uh, you're my brother, you're my best friend, we have other friends. One thing, even in prison, people who have left here have been my friends. They can tell you one thing, and I take pride in that. They said, Tariq is the same person who we met back in 2000, whatever, two, or whatever year they met me, uh, and it's the same person today. And I take pride in that because I don't fake to be somebody I'm not. Uh, a lot of people say, like I said, you know, they make these boastings and make themselves believe a lie. I don't do that. I try to be myself, whoever you are. That's the best policy. If you are smart, don't say I'm the smartest person. Other people will call you smart. If you're really tough, don't call yourself tough. People will verify that for you. And that's where you know a person is tough, person is smart, person is resilient, or whatever. So identity, I have always kept it straight. I am who I am. I have never changed that. Uh, you can like me, dislike me hate me, whatever, love me, it, it's up to you, but I'm true to my nature. So my identity crisis has never been there for me. Even when we were outside, uh, we are children of two worlds. Uh, you can easily put uh, Tarek and I would say for you to a deal in the middle of New York City, middle of Queens, and take us to a bazaar in Lahore or somewhere, <laughs> and we'll be equally, uh, you know, comfortable. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a paradigm which is a lot of people don't, it's out of their comprehension. But it comes naturally to us because we grew up on both sides of the um, world. And so I've just always trade true, true to who I am. And, and that's always served me best. Yeah, I, I totally understand, man. It's, it's definitely, definitely a long um, and deep question. Um, you know, one thing I would, I would say is, or I'll, actually, let me ask you this before I get into that. I always believe being tough is more mental than being physical physically tough because to me you know us coming from sports background and you know a lot of time in the weight room i always feel you can lose your edge in life physically at any point that that can be for many different factors but you can actually go ahead and acquire it uh, you can focus in you can get resilient you can get your strength back you can get big Etc. But being mentally tough isn't something that most people can do or everyone can actually um, agree with. Would you say that for you, being mentally tough was the more important aspect of it or it was the actual physical part? No, I, I, I think that is really on the nail. Like it's, it's, it is being mentally prepared or preparing yourself for it. Either you are, either you're not. Right. So if you were talking about identity, so I'll tie that into that, that if you are not mentally capable, uh, then you should, if you know that about yourself, then you are able to rely on people who are there for you to support you in that sense. If you are mentally capable, uh, then it's much uh, easier route. Uh, so I would say, yes, I agree with you. 
being mentally tough is more uh, important than physically. Because I've seen a lot of people who are tough, right? They come in more muscled out, work out. But the one little, uh, and there's a lot of, in prison you have to understand, there's a lot of negativity. So you have a lot of uh, false hope in here. Uh, you have two, I think almost three million now, approximately, people are locked up in the American prison system. Uh, there's a reason for it because, you know, there's not many second chances. The system is geared towards uh, world housing rather than rehabilitation and then, you know, giving people second chances and so. So, uh, in, in the context, uh, in Jersey, you have a lot of people come to prison, they get go through these appeals, which are, I think, just false hopes and just uh, making people believe that they're doing the right thing. Uh, but they get a lot of denials. So the first denial, second denial, third denial. And, and then you see people who are like built up like, you know, <laughs> hooks. And they just, you know, succumb to some other stuff like, you know, uh, some other vices of the prison, you know. Either you get into some drugs, some type of mental deterioration, some mental illness and all that. And you see the shrivel. So, yes, I completely agree with you. Being mentally tough is the most important thing. And I think you do that by having to know who you really are as an identity. And if you have that, you're sure of yourself. Uh, I think you're, you're, you're resilient by nature. Uh, and then it's easier for you to face those obstacles. Uh, I'm having like uh, background malfunctions here for my video. Uh, but that it's, it's gonna, it is what it is. Uh, I think in our case especially, I think... You know, mental depression, those things have been highlight, highlighted in the past year or two by a lot of high-profile athletes, too. So, you know, mental sanity, depression, those are big deals. But I think in our case, our faith um, has really kept us centered. And I think anyone with faith, um, especially Islam, it really keeps you away. It gives you hope because it's indoctrined in our lives it's in our fabric of of being self-being so at least that's how i feel i understand that i think it's more about like a lot of stuff about like you know mental security and mental acuity and all that stuff it, it in a way you can talk about it but a lot of in our culture especially you know coming from the Pakistani background and stuff there's a taboo area and stuff which a lot of people don't address those yeah. issues um, but like I said, just in, in all, maybe we can have that conversation uh, down the line somewhere. But in general, I do believe that uh, having me being mentally strong is the key to survival in the prison system. And I think anywhere, uh, wherever you're facing adversity. Absolutely. Uh, so I think, bro, we have covered enough for the first podcast. Um, hopefully it's been insightful and it was a good introduction unless... You want to talk about some other things? I'm I'm all open for that, but that's pretty much all I had lined up for today. Um, and I, I I'm kind of that's that's those are my thoughts. You have anything to talk about? You want to add anything? It's all about having a conversation, brother. Hello. I'm here. I'm here. It's the um, malfunction oh. I got going on. <laughs> I had a wallpaper on the background. Yeah, sure. Um, since I am in my basement doing this and I'm not in a professional studio and then it just kind of hey, came, came this, off, bro. No, it's <laughs> this is, this is, the idea behind the whole podcast was to have a window into our lives, right? That, that's the whole idea. There's a window into my life here. <laughs> yeah, so just 
perfectly fine. We have all you know babies back there making fuss. Um, honestly, I rather hear that like that that uh, ambient noise than the ones we have here of clicking and clacking and iron banging. So that actually, believe it or not, to me sometimes I know it's troublesome for parents like you or parents who are younger children. To me, that's that sound of uh, just bliss, that sound of heaven, you know. So when I hear their voices, uh, so I love that. Um, but yeah, we can we can definitely uh, continue to talk, and that's what the whole thing is about. Um, I just wanted to share the the whole genesis of uh, captive voices was yep. uh, because we started the journey uh, to bring voices of people who are unheard usually. So that, so i.e. the voices of people who are locked up, captive, uh, captive people, captive voices. Um, because at the end, you know, I believe there everyone in prison has a story to tell. You'll just never hear any of them, uh, and that is the. Done by design, I believe, because of the media's uh, hypocrisy. Uh, instead of having both sides of the, you know, stories, because that's how you actually get to know the truth. Um, but we are living in an environment which is fueled by fear, fueled by, uh, you know, the extremes. Uh, like you said earlier, uh, people are either righty or lefty or whatever. Uh, but there's a silent majority. Uh, but as at the same time, I do believe some majorities need to uh, move and need to make their voices heard to actually create a change. Otherwise, the fringes of our society will continue to run our lives, whether it be their righties or the lefties or whatever. So same thing in prison uh, journalism, which I think we try to highlight is stories from within. Because uh, I truly believe this, uh, that these are stories of human beings. Condemned as we may be, uh, we are people living, breathing. Um, when people give us sentences uh, for punishment, even if you think of the worst of the person, they're still living, breathing human beings. And America, I find it very fascinating. It's, it's heartbreaking sometimes that people you have 60 seconds remaining. Animals rather than human beings. So maybe perhaps with this forum, with this website, uh, with this uh, podcast, maybe we can start at least. Uh, a conversation towards that endeavor. Uh, for that, thank you very much, and everybody else who's listening. And we invite everybody to come in and chime in. Good, bad, ugly doesn't matter. We just want to hear from you. Absolutely. Uh, I'm out. This is this is it because my call time is over. Uh, thank you for this. And I guess next time. Absolutely. We have 30 man. seconds remaining. Inshallah, bro. Inshallah. The in Pakistan, you know, that news. Till at nine. Yeah, I don't know. See, my Allah. Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi Let me peace be upon everybody who's not Muslim who don't understand that reading. Take care. Alright, bro. Allah. So, guys, um, with the malfunction and all, um, this is basically the whole point of this podcast, and it's to bring kind of thought invoking sentiment out of people living on the outside who are completely desensitized to human beings being treated in those kind of conditions in the prison and like Tarek said one thing is really for certain and that is unfortunately in the American society at least it is um, you know people Focus more on animal life than human life. And that is the sad part. 
It's not to say animal life does not matter. It does. But comparing it to human beings, there should be no comparison. Um, these guys are treated in the most inhumane ways possible. I have been going personally to the prison systems in New Jersey, county jail, prison, for about 22 years. And I can tell you first-hand stories myself. There are some good people working as COs, but they're far and few behind. Majority of the people are on power trips. Majority of the people all have mental issues, depression, and whatever else that they try to manifest by being uh, a tyrant to these people who they know have no rights. Nobody wants to hear from inmates. When we went through COVID just a couple of years ago, think about it how our life was here on the outside as a society. Everything was shut down. So were the prisons. They had no communication. And as things started to reopen for us, as we started to get normalized, they did not. Matter of fact, there were incidences in the New Jersey State Prison where COs were having parties um, inside the prison. Um, I'll just leave it to that. Parties. And inmates were locked down from all kind of family interaction and they ended up giving COVID to inmates. They brought COVID in. And in return, the administration punished the inmates more by um, constricting their movements even further. How is it their fault? Think about it. Um, anyway, I can go on tangent for these things for hours. This whole podcast, uh, kind of just bring it back, was just about the introduction of Tarek and our new segue. Um, I hope uh, it was informative. I'm going to get out of here myself till next time. Um, please, please, guys, if you like the podcast, uh, leave comments. Um, if it's on YouTube, even with all the malfunction and everything, it is what it is. Please, I would love some feedback and engagement. Um, till next time, take it easy.